Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Gentle. Today, we are canvassing the 2020 comic book catastrophe <laughs> that is Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Okay, so first off, this is a movie it's podcast. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it is a mouthful. First off, this is a comedy podcast. It is a movie podcast. We are going to be going into this movie and talking about everything. I don't think I'm funny, though. <laughs> so... If you uh, if you have not seen this movie, if you want to call it a movie, it's more like a uh, Nickelodeon special that happened to be R-rated. Maybe shut this podcast off now because you're going to have this movie ruined for you, and it probably should be ruined for you, so that way you never watch it. If you don't know anything about this movie, it is. I'm going to go into my Pablo Francisco voice. After splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya, not a superhero name, to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. I think this movie could have had a better description in that Detective <laughs> Renee Montoya fucks up constantly trying to catch Harley Quinn. <laughs> It's a Warner Brothers release under the DC Entertainment banner. It's produced through Clubhouse Pictures, who did a very, very bad movie called Bright with Will Smith. Classic. <laughs> Classic. And they also did Margot Robbie's previous starring movie called I, Tanya, a rather interesting if stilted biopic. In addition to this is the first production of Kroll, an entertainment company. They have a remake of The Six Billion Dollar Man in the works, so we can look forward to that getting shit on. The final production company is Lucky Chop Entertainment. This is their first production, and they have nothing listed on their docket from here on out. So maybe this is a one-time thing and they're never going to reappear as an entertainment company after this. It's produced by David Ayer, who gave us the filmic abortion that is Suicide Squad. <laughs> Walter Hamada, a Warner Brother company man. Sue Kroll, producer of the Oscar darling but unapologetic shit heap called A Star is Born. If you haven't seen that, that is a bad movie, man. <laughs> that is a very bad movie. I really, really appreciate Bradley Cooper making his directorial debut. And I like Sam Elliott in it, but like the way that they handle depression and suicide is god awful and irredeemable. It just it resorts to simple <laughs> stupidity rather than trying to show it as like a real disease which it is and it's like unfortunate plus Lady Gaga is fucking terrible in it anyway there's a few other company men that produced this movie in addition to Christina Hodson who also wrote this and Margot Robbie rounding out the producers stars Robbie reprising her role as Harley Quinn that she starred in in Suicide Squad you will undoubtedly know her from the Wolf of Wall Street Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Bombshell The Big Short and one of my personal favorites About Time yeah she was in there for what 10 minutes yeah, she, she was, was like still... that. <laughs> she was she was like his cousin. She was or the something? hot neighbor girl or something. Yeah. To be honest, this woman is incredible. First off, she's been nominated for the Oscar twice. She's also very young. She's 29, for Christ's sake. And her career has not only been meteoric, but also relatively great. Oscar nominee Rosie Perez plays Montoya, our hapless and buffoonish cop. <laughs> you might know her from Spike Lee's masterpiece, Do the Right Thing, Lackawanna Blues, and Pineapple Express, where she also plays a cop, in a, but a much smarter cop than Montoya. The excellent and underappreciated actress Mary Elizabeth Wenstead co-stars as the Huntress. You may know her from 10 Cloverfield Lane, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, 
and the excellent, excellent indie movie called Smashed opposite Breaking Bad star Aaron Paul. Journey Smollett Bell co-stars as Black Canary. She is excellent in the Denzel Washington directed film, The Great Debaters, as well as the upcoming Jordan Peele produced horror show for HBO called Lovecraft Country. She was also Denise Frazier in the original Full House, uh, and she's been in a ton of TV I haven't seen. Seriously, I don't know how I missed this woman before, but I hope she continues to do well and avoids further bird sequels because I actually <laughs> I actually think that she's got some talent and there's something there, but this movie doesn't capitalize on it at all, and it's really unfortunate because she's just kind of there as like this weird, I mean, I hate to say token, but she really is like a token black character in this movie. So lastly, even McGregor co-stars as the bad guy Black Mask. He's one of my favorite Superman, or I'm sorry, he's one of my favorite Batman villains from the original comic books, but he hams this roll up beyond repair. You probably know him as Obi-Wan Kenobi, but you should know him for Train Spotting, Shallow Grave, Moulin Rouge, and Black Hawk Down. It is written, as I said before, by Christina Hodson, who wrote the absolutely forgettable Rosario Dawson vehicle called Unforgettable. Please, Hollywood, please <laughs> stop naming your movies Unforgettable because I will forget them because they're fucking terrible. Like, you can't have a title like that and then make a just mediocre movie. And she wrote the Bumblebee spinoff that made a recent $465 million worldwide, which is probably why they asked her to write this up. She is currently writing the Batgirl spinoff. <laughs> DC is really reaching to like the third and fourth echelon of like fucking side characters. And I really don't understand what they're doing. They've already burnt out Batman and Superman. They've got <laughs> not much left after that, dude. Look, if you burn Batman out, but let's just forget Tim Burton's for a second. If you burn Batman out in three movies and you burn Superman out in what, three movies as well? They're your two top earners. Like everybody <laughs> knows DC because of Batman and Superman. And if you already burned it out, like you're fucked, man. Like why would you even continue trying to do like a DC universe? And then they got Joker and like Joker, you know, that that's a whole another thing that I'll get into in a later podcast about how there's a lot of problems with Joker that like just don't work work as a movie but like it made a shitload of well, money i already saw it in like 1980 i think it was called yeah, yeah king of comedy wasn't that yeah, yeah that's absolutely one, right? yeah absolutely okay. right. yeah right. rupert pumpkin yeah. dude dude that is my main gripe with that movie and it's just it's so disconcerting when robert de niro shows up as the fucking jerry lewis character and i was like that wait is what meta as fuck, <laughs> meta as fuck dude. i was i just the whole movie, I couldn't get into it because Robert De Niro was playing this character. And I was like, it really detracted from me watching the movie as well as like Joaquin Phoenix's performance and everything else. It just, it felt forced, the whole fucking movie. And then by the time that it gets to him killing Robert De Niro, spoiler alert, I was like, what? what the f <laughs> it wasn't shocking i knew it was coming i was like god damn it regardless this movie is directed by a new director named kathy yan she made an indie movie named dead pigs i haven't seen and three shorts i also haven't seen that's it seriously another indie director whose last movie made a full four thousand dollars worldwide paul well it's pretty you know 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully she spent I, less than that making it. I had to dig for over an hour and a half to find the budget of this movie because it is a two hour and 10 minute indie feature and it has Zazie Beats in it, who's like an incredibly great actress. I had to dig for an hour and a half in order to find the budget of this two hour and 10 minute movie called Dead Pig since I couldn't find it available anywhere because there's no fucking distribution agreement. This movie was made for $1.2 million, Paul, mm. completely independently financed and they didn't have a distribution deal in place so it's completely fucking not seeable i don't know who's seen this movie i'm sure it was at some film festival but whoever saw it at a film festival that's the one and only fucking showing of this movie that you're ever going to see but i get it let's do it paul let's take this indie director who made four thousand dollars on a 1.2 million dollar and fuck it let's give her a 90 million dollar fucking tentpole action movie (laughs) for dc entertainment and hope that it spawns three fucking sequels because this movie has to make a half a billion dollars even though it's rated R and nobody really like is going to go see this movie. Was there really no, no other director? Anytime you give a, again, I like go with female director. That's what this movie is all about. It's all Look. about female empowerment. It's like <laughs> turning around the uh, Me Too movement somehow. <laughs> yeah. I, Dude, I'm going to get to that in a second because I have to do a disclaimer on this particular episode. It's 109 minutes long and it was produced for $90 million. For a director whose last movie was released on one screen at one film festival and made four grand, do you think $90 million is a good idea to put it in your hands? It was released released on February 7th, 2020 and made $33 million on its opening weekend at 4,236 theaters. It opened at number one that weekend against Bad Boys for Life. We all know how we feel about that fucking movie. In its third week of release at number two, Sam Mendes' beautiful Oscar-winning film 1917 and number three on its fifth week of release, and Robert Downey Jr.'s money laundering operation that is known as Doolittle <laughs> at number four in its third week, as well as Jumanji 2, actually Jumanji 3, rounding out the top five in its ninth week of release. It was in theaters for 42 days because of the coronavirus shutting it down and made a total to March 19th when corona fucked this country up of $84 million domestically. Worldwide, it made $117 million, bringing the total to $201 million. That makes it the 85th overall opening for an R-rated movie behind 2007's Superbad and ahead of 1997's Scream 2. Nice. It is the 29th overall opening for a movie opening in February 2018's Get Out leads it and 2010's Wolfman trails it. Its lowest financial impact was in Uruguay with a stunning $24,316 opening and a $51,295 gross. At an average cost of $6.20 US or $273.49 Uruguayan pesos, that makes total assets and seats to our largest number yet, Paul, $3,921.3 thousand nine hundred and twenty one point nine three people saw this movie so i guess johnny quarter slice didn't make it to uruguay in order to see this one. <laughs> there are three million four hundred and seventy three thousand seven hundred and thirty people in uruguay smaller than phoenix actually in 2020 meaning that one point one two nine one thousandths of one percent of the population of uruguay saw this movie on opening weekend birds of prey has a 6.2 with 109,254 votes on imdb a 60 on metacritic meaning that it's one percentage point short paul from being fresh what moment in the movie do you think uh caused it to miss that one percent the animation 
for sure. The animation, <laughs> opening it and closing it. But it has, get this, it has a stunning 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, meaning that it is actually certified fresh, according to them. How does that get a fresh rating on RottenTomatoes.com, but the house that Jack built, which I kind of like, has a 57? I, I know that that movie is about a serial killer, like, making purses out of women's, like, breast skin and stuff like that. It's completely different fucking movie. But, like, I thought it was pretty interesting, and I hadn't seen anything quite like that since... I don't know, Man Bites Dog was the last movie that really like struck me as that sort of offensive in a serial killer movie. It's It's been a while since I've been that offended, but I thought it was special for that reason. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> what other special movies are there in your heart? I don't know. I'm worried about saying something that I shouldn't be saying about <laughs> But seriously, I fucking hate RottenTomatoes.com because their ratings seem like they're paid for. Harley can make money, so like obviously has a better rating with the critics, but like House of the Jack Bill isn't going to make any money, so they bury it. I don't know. I think the audience for this movie probably doesn't care about Rotten Tomatoes or critic ratings for some reason. And why would the critics rate it? You know what I mean? They rate everything. <laughs> That's their job. That's what they do. Yeah, risk, risk nothing and but judge I mean, everyone you, they have. <laughs> of course. But uh, I'm just trying to say that uh, if you look at like the user scores and things like that from Fandango or Amazon... <laughs> <laughs> or even uh, Metacritic, they have the user scores. Uh, I'm going to guess that this movie is much higher among the people that actually wanted to go see it. Yeah, instead of I the think ones so. that were. I mean the the audience score to see it. <laughs> the audience score for this on Rotten Tomatoes is the exact same thing as the critic score. It's seventy eight percent. Yeah, really. Yeah, huh. which is way higher than the IMDb rating or the Metacritic rating, according to uh-huh. user score. Here's your R rating, Paul. It's rated R for strong violence and language throughout, and some sexual and drug related material. Would you say that this was? I think I'm just really. Uh, I don't know. I mean, part where she jumps on his knees. I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of violent. I guess, but there's no blood. Yeah. Is there any blood in this movie? I'm trying to think. I'm kind of hard pressed to remember, honestly. I don't remember any blood. I think that there's Somehow. blood when the mob when the mob family gets killed. I think there's blood spraying in that scene. Huh. I'm pretty huh. sure. But that that's the thing. Is this forgettable violence? Like, yeah. is there, is there Anything... one thing in this movie that you're gonna remember? Like, it's more like wily coyote violence <laughs> in this movie. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, you you kill people and there's a little bit of blood or you see a guy's leg get snapped in half. I guess that's R-rated. Does she kill anyone in this movie? Uh, I mean, at least directly. I mean, she blows up a chemical plant, which probably killed many people, (laughs) but... I'm trying to think. I don't remember. See, this is the thing, dude. This movie is completely forgettable. I just saw it and I can't remember if she (laughs) killed anybody. That's a good question. But anyway, so first off, I need to place a disclaimer on this episode okay this episode specifically i'm going to be offensive in this episode it is in no way intended to be offensive toward women or feminists quite the contrary i'm going to hold them to the same standard that i would as a male filmmaker if you make a bad movie regardless of your gender your intentions or efforts toward representation it's still a bad movie so like i'm not i'm not disparaging the women i'm not disparaging what they're trying to do but i'm going to say that it's the same fucking goal as for the men 
like, if you're going to make a bad movie, I'm going to make fun of you for making a bad movie. So without further ado, Paul, let's get into this. Paul, pitch this movie to me. All right. You remember how, how Suicide Squad made us a boatload of money? Sure. And we're sure. desperately, desperately, desperately trying to find another <laughs> DC. We got to find a property that will, uh, we, we can ride out this storm uh, and uh, get through this <laughs> Me something. Too movement. Yeah, we, we need get through something this that's got to get like four sequels to it. So t- tell yeah. me what you got that you can give me so, a five sequel right. deal. So we got Margot Robbie. You know, she's hot. Remember, she's in uh, that one. Yeah, Suicide yeah, Squad yeah. made us a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, she's a female. So we're going to do a whole female empowerment movie about her. What, like her Bridesmaids? Character. No, well, it's going to be kind of a comedy, wacky. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, all right, here, here's, here's the deal. We're, we've got an untapped audience. I mean, you know how... how Hard uh, comic book movies trend towards males, especially young males. But we're sure. gonna flip it on its head with this movie, and we're gonna. It's gonna be oh, all about get the, the young female females. money. Yeah, yes. get the female money. Yes, they okay, have money yes. too. I, yes. Yeah, I checked my papers. <laughs> they have money too. The whole main cast is gonna be females, and it's gonna be like uh, Charlie's Angels, but uh, with clowns and baseball bats. <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Amazing. What's this going to be? Is this going to be PG thirteen? That way we can get to the billion dollar mark. No, no. It's going to be rated R. We're going to give okay. it. We're going to give okay. it to this uh, no name uh, indie director. But it's a woman. Okay. So good. Yeah. So we can avoid just, anything. Uh, we're going to let yeah. her do whatever she wants with it. I think. Uh, so the section. All, all those the things section. <laughs> so the sexual harassment complaints from this movie should be to a minimum. We can save money on that for sure. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Lawsuits will be to the minimum. We've great. Got, great. We've Does- got the whole. Whole crew trained not to talk to any of the women on the set. It'll be fine. Good. Good. So Margot Robbie, yeah. uh, she, she's gotten naked for Wolf of Wall Street. Is she going to get naked in this movie since it's rated R? Uh, no, no. We're, we're past that. We can't do nudity anymore. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can't yeah. do it with this movie, the female audience and whatnot. Okay. We're thinking okay. about some uh, gratuitous full frontal male nudity, <laughs> but we'll see how the director uh, likes that. Because we got Ian McGregor signed on to show his penis. So we'll find out <laughs> if he, he wants wait, to. Wait, wait. Has he hung dong before? I don't remember. <laughs> Wait, he was he was naked in uh, I think he was naked in Train Spotting actually. Huh. I'm pretty sure he was well, naked. Well, luckily in- that image doesn't remain in my head if that's true, <laughs> so I'm I'm fine with. <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, that's cool, Paul. I think I think that we can make a movie. What, yeah, 100 million, 100 million we can make this thing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe, great. but I need a 10% finders fee. Yeah. Great, great. So, Paul, let's get let's jump into this. I, I got an immediate complaint in order to lodge against this movie, okay? So when when I before I even saw this movie, I had a problem with it. And my problem came from when I went to go see It Chapter 2 in theaters, right? If you don't know anything about It Chapter 2, it is two hours and 49 minutes long, okay? It is <laughs> almost three fucking hours long. And mm. with previews, even though I go to Alamo Draft House, which they usually keep the previews to a minimum, and they don't do like stupid bumper videos about, no, where your exit is, like AMC and shit like that. Um, <laughs> They're still adding on about 20 minutes worth of previews and pre-show shit before you get to this movie, right? So now you're talking about three hours and 10 minutes that I'm going to see this movie. So I go and I see It Chapter 2. The opening credits start. Warner Brothers logo appears. You see like the red balloons start like drifting in front of the Warner Brothers logo. And you hear like the creepy music from It Chapter 1. And you see this creep, like this character coming out of darkness toward the camera. And she steps into the light and it's 
fucking Harlequin. And she whacks the Warner Brothers logo with a fucking mallet. And she says, <laughs> I'm so sick of clowns, aren't you? And she goes into this weird fucking nice. like- crossover, nice. A crossover, yeah. It's, it adds one minute to this movie. One minute to a fucking already three hour and 10 minute experience for me to sit through this fucking preview that isn't even a fucking preview because it wasn't before the fucking movie. It's during the fucking movie. And on top of that, the worst part about it is, and this is the reason why I hated it so much, is that the first scene of It Chapter 2, it opens with these guys like harassing this gay couple and they beat this gay couple to death and stomp their faces in. It's this really horrifying, like dramatic scene. And that's the scene that follows this comedic <laughs> fucking, Jesus. like, it's stupid. It's so bad, dude. And like, uh, I was so angry because like it shows this brutal choices. hate crime right after the fucking opening credits. And, you know, I mean, that, that, that issue is very close to my heart, as you know, Paul. And like this just... Yeah fucking like ripped my anger straight out of my body and just threw it up all over the screen i was like what the <laughs> fuck like i don't care if, i don't care if birds of prey is the most successful movie ever made like this is not how you do the preview i don't give a shit if you thought it was clever or whatever and it's like oh it's funny because harlequin and the joker and clowns and let's do it ah, fuck it that was in september of last year i was like you know what fuck this movie I don't care whether it's the best movie in the world. Fuck this because this is like really, really bad corporate advertising. Go fuck yourself. First off, Paul, this movie, voiceover, funny animation, sex joke in the opening one minute scene. You see the little sperm going into the fucking egg. Did you at all appreciate this like change of like pace from like Suicide Squad. I mean, I, I don't want to point to Suicide Squad because it's also a bad movie, but like <laughs> the animation, the animation like immediately put me at odds with the movie when I did see it because it's just like, what is going on? Like, you know, like, and then there's like this, this cheap version of the Joker there and they do like two cheap references to the Joker in this movie that just don't work for me. I don't know. I think the, uh, I kind of liked the weird zany animation and her weird <laughs> interludes of uh, animated exposition, I guess you could say. I think they chose a better way of doing that than uh, other methods. You know, it sets it apart from all the other DC Universe movies that are just <laughs> dour and shite. <laughs> so, I don't know. To me, it was at least a fresh change of pace. So, I don't know. This movie's mostly meh. <laughs> so I, I have a real question here is that, you know, as much as I like Margot Robbie, like she has her same Long Island accent that she had from <laughs> fucking Wolf of Wall Street, like the exact yeah. same accent. And I was like, wait, is she is she from Long Island or is she from Guinea Gulch? Or like, where is she from exactly? Because it's I'm the not one that's the one American accent she could do. You know, <laughs> otherwise it has to be the English accent. Oh, wait, is yeah. she from Australian? Australian, Australian yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of one of my biggest problems with this movie is that like the the music supervisor wanted this movie so badly to sound like Goodfellas or something like that. They chose like all these upbeat, like poppy, like '80s riffs and whatnot. But they just picked every obvious overused '80s song. And there's several times in this movie where they try to be Scorsese and they actually use songs from Goodfellas or whatever in the background. And it just, it, you know, Gotham, Gotham is supposed to be an analog for New York City, okay? Like, that's the way it's always been in the comic books. It's made to be like New York in the 70s and the 80s, which is like crime-ridden. And that's sort of what you were seeing in the news headlines and whatnot. And that's really where Batman 
came out of was like that whole fear of like New York crime wave and stuff like that and like how violent yeah. the city was. And I get it. Like that's supposed to be Gotham, but you don't have to like take every New York fucking like cliche and throw it on the screen at once. Yeah. I don't care how hardcore a woman is supposed to be. She drinks like a fucking fish and like her weight class, like how small Margot Robbie is, she would be on the fucking deck. I don't care who she hangs out with. She takes like six shots in that opening like club scene at once and she's just like i mean granted she walks around she starts puking and talking to mannequins and shit like that but i'm just like <laughs> come on man it's supposed to be like cool or hardcore or something like that but i really yeah. don't understand no i think they're on. they're really pushing the uh scorsese nostalgia you know with this movie and uh joker yeah. And I'm sure yeah. they'll keep pushing it further on. So uh, we're going for the, the grimy. The grimness. I, I have to go into Black Mass for a second, okay? Because it's such a big deal with even McGregor playing Black Mask. And it's like his first real comic book movie, I guess, so to speak. But Ewan fucks this role up so badly. One of the things that makes Black Mask so interesting in the comic books is that Black Mask is this like rich, well-to-do like mob boss that kind of fell into the mob boss thing because he was doing like, white collar crime and he ended up doing mob shit but anyway the thing about black mass that i thought was interesting in the comic book is that each one of his victims he would pull their fucking teeth out and he'd put it in his mask and that was what was terrifying about it (laughs) he was sort of this like patrick bateman style like psycho yeah and that's what i liked about black mass but like even mcgregor in this movie he just comes off as like this hammy annoying like idiot (laughs) there's so many times in this movie dude where he fucks up and just ends up in shit and i'm like it's kind of a man child honestly that's yeah yeah it's like oh my timing yeah (laughs) no yeah it's uh it's too bad for him that he uh, had to do this movie there's another part in this movie that tries too hard to be like edgy or like relevant or something like that and that's that montoya it's revealed that she was dating like a prosecuting attorney from the district attorney's office so there's like that scene where they're in the fucking like captain's office and they're sitting there and she's like talking about like oh it's her ex whatever blah 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 blah. but i don't understand if you're gonna write an ex it's okay to like have like passive aggressiveness when you're writing an ex but like this is just all like little catty like stupidity going on between them i didn't even catch that part about the whole movie i guess i wasn't paying attention Uh, thought the da just didn't like her because she was you know fucking her shit up and all that but it's her ex Guess she did more than that. Whoa. Wow. You you should really do test screenings, Paul. Like test screenings are some of my favorite things to do because <laughs> when you sign up to go to test screenings or you sign up for like Amazon preview or whatever, you have to tell them that you're not a member of the entertainment industry in any way because they want like real <laughs> people's opinions. Right. And I always, I always lie about that shit. So that way I can <laughs> see the movie and I can sit there and I can sit there. And then afterward, like when they give me the questionnaire or sometimes it's actually really rare but it happened a couple times when i lived in la they would have like the filmmaker come in and i remember that like i, I went to this one movie when i was in la it was like this katherine heigl patrick wilson movie called north of hell is the name of the movie but I, I can't remember what they called it when i went to go see it but i saw this movie and i fucking tore this movie apart for like 20 <laughs> minutes i went on this tirade and this director this director to his credit he like sat there and listened and like was really really attentive and he's like oh yeah no i mean that makes sense blah blah blah, blah. and he was like he was a, he was accommodating at least he didn't take any of my fucking suggestions in the final product like right. it was completely <laughs> <important>. but <laughs> i remember that we it was so weird dude is that 
LA, if you don't know me, I fucking hate LA. I spent two years in LA and like I never, ever, ever want to move back there. Like I fucking hate it. But the, the this is like an excellent example of how fake it was is that when we went to go see that movie, it was like a lot of actors or wannabe actors were in the crowd. And as soon as the movie ended, they were just immediately blowing this dude about like how great this movie was <laughs> <laughs> and how they've never seen anything like it. Nice. They, it went on for like 15 minutes and that's really what goaded me into being like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. This movie is awful. Just like, <laughs> Hold your shit here. <laughs> 15% on Metacritic, dude. 15% on Metacritic that movie has. Let's move on back to this movie for a second. <laughs> this, this movie, as much as it's being about women's empowerment throughout this entire movie, and I appreciate that, it fails the Becktail test on every single level, dude. Everybody in this movie that's a woman fails the Becktail test, especially Harlequin, because she does nothing <laughs> but talk about the Joker, Joker. this whole yeah. fucking movie about whether you know him or like she broke up with Puddin' Cup or like how it affected her or whatever. And like breakups and women's empowerment is really important to show like a woman moving past her man. But she didn't move past her man in this movie. She just kept saying shit about the Joker the whole fucking movie. She never- I don't know. I don't Joker. feel that way. I, like by the end, I think she uh, she killed all her enemies and solved her own problems without bringing the Joker into it. And that her whole emancipation but she she had to latch on to a man which man <laughs> she had <laughs> the whole movie she's like having to define her decisions on based on what roman is doing towards her she's not like actively doing anything she's just reacting to everything that roman does isn't that part of her character though she's just insane and doesn't really follow she's just completely impulsive and doesn't have a plan for anything and has to react to everything that happens around her. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> you say so. <laughs> so I, at the beginning of the movie, I, I, I just thought to myself, and this is me thinking about like my own real world experience. It was like, she jumps in that semi truck and she takes off with it as the guy's pissing and runs it into the fucking like chemical plant, right? In order to emancipate herself from the Joker is a big right. fuck you to the Joker. It's a good thing she knows how to drive standard. But on top of that, on top of that, it's a good thing that she knows how to drive a semi-standard because like driving a semi is very different than driving a standard in a car. Like the clutch is heavier. There's 19 fucking gears. You have to start off in a lower <laughs> gear than first. But she just like plows ahead, no problem, runs this fucking thing into the Technicolor plant because it is a Technicolor okay. plant apparently. It blows up in Technicolor color explosions, man. Well, I, what all right, this is all after she jumped into this vat of chemicals and came out with bleached white skin and you know her insanity it's a comic book movie game i mean you could dig into how unrealistic it is <laughs> at every point but it's a comic book movie i i can't like I can't knock it too much because it's not trying to be realistic all it's right so just let, let me headless let me, movie wandering I'll, I'll go around. i'll go into i'll go into stuff <laughs> So it's like a chicken when you chop its head off. It's just like yeah. flopping around and squirting blood in random areas. But it doesn't try to be anything but a headless chicken. All right. So I... <laughs> you can I, bitch at it because <laughs> it's not high art. <laughs> All right. So I, I want to go into... Uh, I'll go into style then if I can't go into like 
realism i'll concentrate on story and style but the the, <laughs> the chase scene at the beginning of the movie when rosie perez like catches up with her and she bumps in everybody has a grievance with her this is another movie right after the tourist that has slow chase scenes in it every chase scene in this movie is <laughs> slow i'm sorry dude all I, the action is slow i mean yeah that's my biggest beef with this movie i'll let you finish on your <laughs> On your beef though about the chase scenes here <laughs> so my my beef is, is that and this is just working in the industry and knowing this is that like rosie perez having worked with her like she doesn't like wearing heels at all like on the the tv show that i did with her she was a flight attendant and she had to wear heels and as soon as she was done with her scene like literally when they called cut somebody was there from wardrobe in order to give her like these fuzzy slippers that had like memory foam in them because their heels hurt her but in this movie she's yeah. running around in heels and you can tell she's not doing <laughs> well because she's running really slow after harlequin <laughs> and you can see especially when they do like wides she's like really yeah. trying to get down the block and i'm like it's 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 hard to watch because it's just like oh man like she looks like she's in some pain man like give that woman some fucking sneakers man like she she'd run harlequin's <laughs> ass down in sneakers but like giving her heels or like even low heels it's just it seems like a mistake so i looked into it and you mentioned how they gave this no-name director you know 90 million dollars so I'm like, maybe right. the second unit director like had all their shit together and was doing action. The dude who his name is Jonathan Jonathan Uisbio. Uisbio, I guess. But he's been like okay. stunt coordinator on like 300 John Wick, all the John Wicks. Deadpool, Black Panther. Wait, he's so he, a he was second unit? He was the second unit second, director? Yeah, second unit director and stunt coordinator. Like, so yeah, what the then fuck he... happened here? Because all of the stunts <laughs> and like fight scenes in this movie, just they don't they don't work. They're all <laughs> slow and like you can feel the choreography behind it. And I mean, I can appreciate that they kind of went, they gave Harley Quinn her own kind of unique fighting style. I don't know what you want to call it. Like kind of MMA, <laughs> WWE wrestler kind of thing. But I don't know, yeah. man. It's, it's you can really tell she does all style. her stunts, but they're just really slow and it looks <laughs> fake throughout the whole thing. You the know, impacts, to- there's no no like force to the impacts in so, any of these like fight moves and just like I, I wow, wanna, she's I wanna, like a, a 90 pound girl and she knocked yeah. over this like 220 pound <laughs> guy I'm like eh. <laughs> but you know it might work if she had like some like technique to her fighting <laughs> but it's just throwing her weight around and you can tell it just doesn't feel real her, her like 90 she pounds she was throwing it around <laughs> yeah i want to bring up female action stars okay because like atomic blonde i think is an excellent choreographed like stunt movie and Charlize theron did yeah. all of her own stunts for that movie and like especially with the uh the fight scene in the stairwell where it's like that long take it's like it's like four and a half minutes or whatever but it's a continuous fight scene yeah charlize theron broke three ribs when she was making that (laughs) and it's like and you can see it like when she's fighting she's fighting you know what i mean like she's really hitting these fucking stunt guys she's trying to make it look real and i think the part of it really was is that charlize i don't know how margot robbie is but like charlize is known for a while that that's where she's sort of headed was like the action realm yeah and she's just been trying to step her step up her game this whole time in order to make a movie like atomic blonde and i really appreciated that but if harley or i'm sorry if robbie knew that she was going to be doing this r-rated like action movie and she read the script i feel like she could have put in a little bit more work maybe in order to like make it i don't know (laughs) 
I don't know. It's like she's fighting and she didn't want to break a nail or something like that. But I mean, <laughs> women can look just as good as men. I mean, Kill Bill, prime example right there of yeah. like amazing female stunts and yeah, for sure. every for sure. blow and everything like that. But I don't know what happened because this guy, he knows how to make yeah, he knows a good shit. fight scene and... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe don't maybe know it was lost. Happened. Maybe it was lost in the cinematography and the edit. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it could be. You could plan out shit all you want, but if like the cinematographer is gonna like chop it up into fifty different shots in order to do this fight scene rather than trying to like show the action movement, it turns the shit really quickly. You know, like yeah. a, the, the fucking Jason Bourne is an excellent example of that, dude. It's like the, the edits are so quick in that movie oh, that like you just completely miss all the action. It's like I knew that there was an action scene in there somewhere, but <laughs> I didn't see it. No. I didn't know what yeah. was happening. It's an excellent is it, example. Is it worse than uh, Quantum of Solace? Like no, James Bond dude. Movie? No. Quant- Quantum of Solace. <laughs> oh my god, that movie. There, there was so. I remember. I think you and I were watching it, and you and I were commenting about that when we were watching. It was like, what the fuck? Like, what, what, what is happening? How many like, edits do you need? <laughs> yeah. Now that, I think that's the worst edited like big budget movie I've ever seen. Just hated that's that. Pretty bad. It that's just pretty ruined. Bad. Like all of the stunts would be incredibly. They they were impressive. Like I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff, and like they were doing like pretty crazy stunts. But the way they edited together, it just had no no energy. You couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. Half the time, <laughs> whole stunt was destroyed in the edit. So maybe it was the edit then. Like the edit, they really destroyed the stunts in this movie. But I I want to I want to move on for a quick second because. Uh, with Black Mask, right? Like Black Mask, when we're introduced to him being like crazy or whatever, he's got those people hanging upside down and he's like peeling their faces off, right? And But he's not peeling them off. I'm sorry. Uh, Chris Messina, his his boy band bleached hair, <laughs> Mr. Zaz, is peeling the faces off of these people. I but, thought he was a better villain than uh, Ian McGregor. Like, I, really? Yeah. No, I oh. thought he was... Uh, I wouldn't want to mess with him in this movie. Like, he's more intimidating than, than Black Mask to me. He just has, like, this lethality about him. I don't know. Yeah, it's because you, is, you, saw that, you saw that man-child, like, thing about him with uh, with uh, Black Mask you didn't like, though. And I think that you were probably out the moment that you felt that. Yeah. So I, I want to bring up the peeling of the face because if you peel... A human face i know that the writers don't know this because they've never taken an anatomy class but like the human face has a ton of nerve endings and connective tissue in order to connect it to the muscles because the face muscles are like some of the most accurate and like minute muscles in the human body in order to express emotion and stuff like that but they just do this one circular motion around the entire perimeter (laughs) and they just like peel it off in one smooth motion and i'm like what like Because, right, so like a movie that gets this right is Silence of the Lambs, right? Like Silence of the Lambs. I thought you were going to say Face Off. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at least least they had surgeons doing it, you know what I mean? (laughs) Face Off. But (laughs) Silence of the Lambs, Silence of the Lambs, he peels the guy's face off, right? He peels that guard's face off and he puts it over his own. And when you look at the, the shots of him like under that guy's face, the face is fucked up. Like there's jagged yeah. cuts everywhere and there's split pieces of skin because 
it's hard to peel a human face off. Like, that's all there is to it. It doesn't just peel off this easily. And I had a huge problem with that because it's just like, if you're going to make this shocking and like scary, show me that he's like working at it. You know what I mean? Like if there's like a sawing motion or something like that, that's going to freak me the fuck out. But like doing a smooth cut with like an obvious like dull blade with a blood pack behind it. Already, <laughs> like It just, it yeah, looks it bad, you know, it just doesn't work. Like that. Yeah, but I I have I have a huge problem with Ewan McGregor because of this because like when was the last time that Ewan McGregor was in something good? I honestly can't think of the last good movie that he was mm. in. Like I liked Trans or Train Spotting too. I really did, but it wasn't great. You know what I mean? It was just kind of fun and like there. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw it. Yeah, I it's can't right. recall. I mean, uh, what was the one? Is about the tsunami. He's pretty good in that. I forget what it's called. Impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, You're right. You okay. So yeah, yeah it's been it's but been that uh, was many. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was so, eight years ago, dude. Eight years yeah. since he's made a good movie. So the another big thing in this movie that really bothers me is uh, her sandwich deli scene, right? Where she goes in in order to get a sandwich, and she's sitting there. That sandwich again, did look really good. It made me <laughs> hungry, but <laughs> so this this. This is me being a New Yorker, right? Okay. So like this movie is Gotham. And I said before, you know, Gotham is like New York's analog. But she goes in this deli that's obviously in LA because it's huge. It's wide. It's got a lot of space in it. He's got a full-size griddle. And he's cooking this thing up and he puts everything together and she says that he puts it on a roll, okay? And any New Yorker that's listening will know what I mean by a roll. A roll in New York is this kind of shit like deli sandwich bread. It's not good. It's like way too light for being a dinner roll. And you're like, where the fuck did they get this bread? It's like made out of aerogel or something like that. It's so light. <laughs> but, but in this movie, he's cutting open a ciabatta roll, right? He cuts open the ciabatta roll and he puts it on top and gives it to her. And she call, she keeps calling him Sal throughout the fucking scene, right? I'm like, okay, Sal, good Italian name. You know, in New York, there's not a whole lot of Italian deli men around anymore. You got to go to Long Island for that kind of thing. In the city, you're going to run into some like guy that's like a Sikh or whatever. Sure, you know, whatever. But then she says that she isn't sure what makes this sandwich great, whether it's the expired cheese or the stray Armenian arm hair. And I was like, what Armenian guy is named <laughs> Sal? <laughs> <laughs> Like it's a it's a minor thing, but it's so important to like in influencing like character and like story and just like the world that they exist in. But it's just this minor little thing that they could have changed and it would have been so much more like authentic in a way. I mean, I, I'll forgive the large deli and the ciabatta roll. I'll forgive that because you do run across a, a deli every once in a while tries to take it to the next level. But calling him Sal the whole time <laughs> and looking at this guy and then saying that he's Arminian, I'm like, yeah. but then everybody everybody was like there was all these articles that came out after this movie about like are you craving harlequin's like sandwich this is how you can recreate or whatever and i was just like look as a new yorker every <laughs> everybody knows about the bacon egg and cheese right it's a bec yep. that's what they call it. you go into any deli you say give me a bec on a roll give me a bacon egg and cheese on a roll and you get this thing and everybody's got their favorite deli in new york because it's the place you think does it the best but you can get it anywhere for two dollars and 75 cents and it's pretty good 
you know? But like, this is like some serious gourmet shit. <laughs> the thing that makes a bacon, egg, and cheese interesting in New York is that it's not highfalutin. It's just like this cheap, fucking, like, boring thing that's like just full of fat and nastiness that you like stuff in your gullet so you can get to the, to the train on time. That's it. But like this movie, yeah. they make it out to be like some sort of high dining thing and it pissed me off on all this. <laughs> Call it what it's it is. Just trying to try and reference the New Yorker who has their favorite deli and the BEC there <laughs> is just the best thing. Best thing after hangover, all of that. All right. Yeah. Dude, I got it. I got it. So we're watching this movie in the background and it's this whole like fight scene and what is it? It's like a warehouse or where are they supposed to be? The police oh, wait. station? Oh, she's supposed to be in the lockup for the police station. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So somehow she walks in there with a baseball bat and a like beanbag shooter. Grenade launcher. Yeah. Grenade launcher. <laughs> Walks into a police station and none of the police in this entire place have guns. <laughs> well, wait, no, no, no. The, the guy behind the counter. again like, and again this movie. It happened again and again in this movie. But the person, whatever, it's bad guy, police officer, they have her in their sight picture. They've got, they've got her in like the sights of their gun. And then some, then it cuts to her like making this wide spinning motion <laughs> and they don't fire until she's like behind cover or throws the baseball bat at them. This, this is a but real like problem in this movie. A dude. One second delay between they have their finger on the trigger, they've got her in the sights, and somehow every time she's extra slow, dude, but they miss. <laughs> in this movie, they do this multiple times. And like Rosie Perez is like the chief problem here is that she has Harlequin in her sights like more than once, and she doesn't pull the fucking trigger and like harlequin will start doing again like you said some elaborate spinning move in order to knock her out and like it's a like you said a yeah. full second before she yeah. actually takes her down and i'm like oh my god yeah. these are the worst cops in the world yeah man. i know and she's like this mass murderer it's not like yeah. she's you know someone who stole a sandwich or something like that she's like a master criminal like yeah you don't ask questions you just <laughs> shoot them in the face or center mass and she just spins around her center mass doesn't move it's just her arms flailing around so yeah so many times she should have been shot in this movie not to I mention digress. it's a comic book. <laughs> just gonna let it pass at this point not to mention that 40 millimeter beanbag guns launch a giant projectile like those little fucking square beanbags that are coming out of the end of her gun those are like shotgun beanbags dude like that's yeah. the kind of shit that comes out of a shotgun beanbag but like paul says this is a digression i want to talk <laughs> about for a second the the italian movie cliches in this fucking movie dude they take oh, yeah. every every gangster movie in the book and they just throw all these cliches into one bag and they shake it up and as they're writing they reach into the bag and they're like oh Oh, okay. Italian guys in a fucking restaurant in the semicircle that get shot in the neck with a fucking crossbow. Great. Okay, we'll put that down. And uh, right. let's read the bag again. You, you live in New York. I got to know. Are there any Italian gangsters left? Like, yeah. I figured they all got arrested by like the end of the nineties. You know, it's 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 sort of rotting in prison by now. They've sort of they've sort of the Italian gangsters that are out there have kind of taken like a, a back seat. They're not as out on the street like they used to be. They're like in control of like unions and you know <laughs> shit <Sure>. like that. <laughs> <laughs> but going going down the Italian gangster Italian cliche for a second, they talk about this 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 power grab right that like this dude like shoots up the other family where like huntress's like 
family gets killed, right? And they talk about how this stone that they have, this 30 carat diamond, <laughs> somehow has encrypted in the atomic structure of the fucking diamond the account numbers of all their fucking, like, you know, whatever. And it's like worth a ton of money because you get the stone, you got the account numbers. But okay, I'm going to go into two things here for a second. Number one, <laughs> If it is a genetically engineered, or I'm sorry, a bioengineered diamond, which it has to be in order to have these account numbers in it, a 30 carat flawless diamond like that would be a $10 million stone. That in itself is worth money. That's why people would be <laughs> yeah. going after it is it's a $10 million stone. Not that it has all these fucking account numbers in it, but number two, having the fucking account numbers in the stone is like asking people to come get your fucking information. Okay, because number number three, <laughs> offshore bank accounts don't just give up the money to whoever happens to have the fucking account number. That's why it's in an offshore bank account because it's secure and that people aren't going to fuck with it because it's offshore. And even if you showed up, it's probably owned by somebody that you know, and they're going to fucking blast somebody's face off as soon as they say that this account number, they want to get into this account. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense. And on top of that, like it's like, oh, you know what? I wrote down my, my credit card information for my black card that doesn't have a limit. And it's written in this gold bar that I'm going to put in my house on the mantelpiece for anybody that wants it to come and get it. You think let me, people let are me ask come you a question, it? Gabe. Let me ask you a question. Do, do infinity stones make any sense? <laughs> any more sense than that? Like, infinity, stone, infinity stones are rare. You have to search them out in order to get them. And there's a guardian that has fucking superpowers guarding over it. <laughs> not, not some... Not some asshole that's got a fucking hoagie sandwich in his pocket and can't reach for his gun because his fat is in the way. You know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. And on top of that, like, stealing the fucking stone, why not just take the account? Okay, I'm going to reference a better movie here that talks about the same storyline. Let's talk about traffic for a second. Traffic, he get, the main drug dealer gets arrested and he tells his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones character in cryptic code, if you're running out of time or if you're running out of money and having trouble affording shit, why don't you look into selling this painting? I can't remember the name of the artist, but he references the artist. And like he gives her this look. Next scene, she goes home, she's looking at the fucking painting and she's like, huh, what he means. So she pulls it off the wall, she opens up the back of it, and in the back of it, behind the, the paper that holds down the back of the frame, there is a small envelope that is filled with microfish that has account numbers in it. Why not do something like that? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, why does it have to be a fucking diamond with all this shit genetically encoded in it? Like, it's it's just so over cool, man. <laughs> It's gotta be a cool MacGuffin, man. Not only is it a diamond and it's huge, I mean, also the I'm... Asian girl swallowed it and she has to poop it out. So. How did she swallow it? That's my big question, dude. Like a fucking diamond that large has thousands of facets cut into it and she sticks this thing down her gullet and just swallows it no problem. Like no drinks, nothing. <laughs> on top of the fact that the cops that chased her down on the street and arrested her they didn't pat her down they didn't pat her down at all in order to take any of these stolen goods off of her and then some she, asshole she hid it in her cast man she has her cast she she hides everything in there <laughs> no one would ever look in there yeah yeah no one because it's not the most obvious place to hide shit because no one's gonna fucking look there <laughs> you know and then uh i gotta say i like the hyena 
the pet hyena. That's I, awesome. I like that too. I mean, that's I one did of the like best, that. <laughs> one of the best pets I've seen in a movie. Yeah. Nah, yeah. It was re- it was decently CG. I mean, it seemed like a hyena. <laughs> so that was cool. Yeah. yeah I, enjoyed no, that. I would agree with that. I'll take that away. <laughs> I, I have a real problem with, uh, with black canary in this movie, right? Like the way that she's portrayed and whatnot. My biggest problem with black canary is, is that black canary is cool and everything, but like I've seen a beautiful black woman with dreads that has an amazing voice in a movie before I saw it with Lisa Bonet when she was in high fidelity. It's the exact same character. It's the exact same <laughs> type of music. And like, all I could think of was Lisa Bonet when she was singing on stage. And I was like, you know what? And it completely, I actually had to watch it a second time, Paul, in order for me to get this reference toward the end. But like, like when she's singing in the glass shatters like it's a total movie cliche and it fucking sucks and everything right. but like <laughs> i didn't i didn't i was so concentrated on lisa bonet that i didn't pay attention to that and at the end of the movie when she does like her scream thing and it's like those sonic waves coming out <laughs> and harley like <laughs> that is so fucking stupid by the way <laughs> they they say you know i told you she's got a killer voice and the first time i saw it i was like wait wait wait, wait what, what what was that is that was like that was like a reference to something earlier in the movie that i completely missed because this movie has no originality and i couldn't concentrate on anything that they were trying to tell me You're just thinking of five other movies that had copied when they uh, yeah. <laughs> made their their first planted seed there <laughs> Another another big problem that I'll, I'll talk about representation and like women in film for a second. Like this movie is trying really hard in order to show like these badass women doing badass shit, which is cool. I'm going to give it that. It's cool. You know, I dig that. But like resorting to scum, scumbag men, like trying to pick up Harley when she's drunk and stuff her into the back of a van in order to like presumably gang rape her. It's like the <laughs> cheapest fucking device that just undermines anything when it comes mm. to like women at all it's like it's it's that old thing that like the rape scene is the cheapest way to like elicit an emotional response from the audience at the expense of women and it's the same fucking thing dude like they're objectifying women in the exact same way and i'm like oh wow scumbag men you really couldn't think of anything else anything <laughs> else that would make yeah. me want to kick these guys' asses it's just it's overused <laughs> you know i i gotta say these guys the the mo- this this might be somewhat based in reality. I don't really know because I, I don't really know my mob bosses that well. But like Roman Sionis wears some pretty loud clothing throughout this fucking movie, like calling attention to himself. <laughs> Like, you know, when they picked up John Gotti or any number of fucking mobsters, these dudes are just wearing suits like everybody else. The only thing that they may be wearing that makes them like somewhat interesting is they may have like an interesting watch on or like some fucking spats that were interesting or whatever. But they weren't wearing like these crushed velvet, <laughs> yeah. bright purple like suits and shit like that. And again, this is going back to the comic book movie angle. But yeah. you've got your your mix of villains. He's one of the louder ones. He wants to be Scarface. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone has a Scarface phase, you know? I mean, he owns a club. You can't own a club and not dress up every day and have a giant wardrobe. You know, I'm going to go into something about this movie being colorblind for a second because the rich white guy played by Roman Sionis collecting Congo shit and then calling the Congo like a dirty place. (laughs) Is this scene meant to be funny or endearing to this man? I I mean, maybe it's supposed uh, to make me hate him a little bit more. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think that's part of his character and why you want to hate him. He just uh, he just shits on everyone, man. So I I got a dog. I got a dog on Ewan McGregor for a second. Oh. Ewan Ewan McGregor. I saw this interview with him years ago. I can't remember if it was inside the actor studio or whatever. But he said this was probably like 2002 or something like that that this interview was. But he said that when he saw Daniel Day Lewis's movie In the Name of the Father, that he walked out of the theater and he pulled out his actor's equity card and he burned it because he knew he would never measure up to a man like Daniel Day-Lewis. And I was like, you know what, Ewan? You're goddamn right. Because this movie is an excellent example of how you didn't measure up. One of the moments that really bothered me in this movie is that when Cassandra gets picked up by the cops and she steals the diamond out of Mr. Zaz's pocket, she's she hides it in the cast and she gets put in the back of the car and she pulls out the diamond and she bites it like just to check that it's real or something. And then she like swallows it. And I was like, This is so stupid. Like you bite precious metals. And the reason you bite precious metals is that they're soft. If it's real gold, it'll bend under your teeth. That's why people bite gold in movies like gold coins and shit in order to see if they're real. I'm like, why would she bite a diamond? Even if it's not a diamond, it's like a pretty big stone. It has to be pretty strong in order to be that. But it's such a stupid moment. I wouldn't try to chew on glass either. This movie is just like, a bunch of tiny moments that build up for me as being like unbelievably fucking stupid. And like the the voiceover is one of the chief offenders in this movie because she tries so hard to like do this like funny self-effacing like type monologue that she's trying to be like Henry Hill or something. And the jokes that are yeah. there don't land. There was a quite a few moments in this movie that reminded me of a kiss kiss bang bang where the chief one being like where she's like, oh shit, let me talk for a second about Black Canary. Like, like when Black Canary's calling her and being like, oh, they picked up this girl, blah, 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 near the beginning of the movie. And she rewinds the movie. And then she goes back to it when she enters into the police station. She's like, <laughs> okay, you're all caught up now. I'm like, dude, I saw this with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and it was funny. Now, 10 years on, I just this, don't give uh, a shit. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, it's uh, this whole narrative structure is kind of kiss kiss bang bangy mm-hmm. then they bring out uh, bring back the hyena at the very end yep. just yep. because i have that in my notes it's, <laughs> it's, again it's the kiss kiss oh fuck it let's bring everybody back well, maybe maybe they saw rise of skywalker and they're like oh we can just bring back a character immediately <laughs> after their death and so they just stuck it in there at the end for like a feel good and then this movie this movie after she breaks out she like steals that van and she's driving down that street and th- this is really fucking annoying paul this is like something that annoys me about movies in general but they they cut to a wide shot behind the van and it's obvious that she's driving over the sixth street overpass in la because you can see downtown la and the fucking bridge (laughs) is like very iconic and i was just like so this is supposed to be gotham but i clearly saw la like what is this oh i didn't notice it game i was so drawn into the oh you're okay (laughs) slow speed chases (laughs) this movie has a huge subplot plot about mob bosses being stupid one of them is is that like the the bertinelli family that other mob boss like comes in and like mows down the bertinelli family and that one goon and they even say it in the fucking voiceovers that that one goon finds helena who ends up being the crossbow killer or huntress actually is her name but he finds her under the pile of bodies and he like takes pity on her he's like a big softy i think is what they said in the uh the voiceover but he looks at her he feels sympathy for her (laughs) and then he whisks her off to sicily is the next thing 
thing that she says. And I'm like, wait, but okay. So if this guy is like a mob boss of New York and he's like taking over of, I'm sorry, of Gotham, when she gets on a plane, wouldn't he have people embedded in the airline industry so that way he can get out easily or he can bring shit in that would be like calling him and being like, you know, this girl, Helena Bertinelli, she popped up on my radar. Gabe, in order Gabe, to- you're thinking way too hard about this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> i mean put her on a boat or something or be like you know it's just like he's a mob she, boss he's got his own private plane you don't need you don't need paperwork to take someone out of the country uh, uh, <laughs> all right fine i'll 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 recant on that point <laughs> So there's this scene when uh, Roman is supposed to like show that he's a bad guy, right? And he's in the club and he walks over to that girl named Erica and he makes her get up on top of the table and strip in order to dance, right? And he like tells her to get up there and he says like strip, take the dress off. And he makes that guy like take the knife and get up there and like tear her dress off. This is like some of the worst shit that he's doing in the middle (laughs) of the movie. This isn't very bad, you know what I mean? Like it's bad. I'm not trying to like downplay that at all, but I'm like, I bring that up, Paul, because remember when you saw The Dark Knight the first time and at the end of the movie when he's giving his monologue about like, you know, when when you kill when you threaten to kill one little mayor, everybody loses their minds, even though it's all part of the plan. And like at the end of that movie, you think of the Joker and you think about what he did. And you don't want to like him, but like you understand him. You understand what he's trying to say. You understand what he's talking about. But like, that's a big problem with bad guys, especially in comic book movies, is that they make them these like one note things that they're absolutes and they just expect you to kind of like accept what's happening and like, oh, it's scary because of this or whatever. He killed somebody. It's not... (laughs) It doesn't make them interesting. And I'm tired of seeing these fucking like basic fucking villains in comic book movies that they're not interesting, man. Like even when he kills, I can't honestly remember why he killed that Asian guy. It had something to do with the way that he like slided him when he was talking to him in the bar. And she's like, oh, he'll regret that later. Remember him peeling the face? (laughs) It's like. Yeah. I don't feel like that was really a slight number one and number two that the I don't care that he did that. I just yeah. don't give a shit about any of these people. No, no. The only re- reason he did it is uh, he's insecure about himself and uh, can't take no for an answer from someone. And that's why I did it. And there you go. He's badass. And he has no other motivation other than, other than his vanity. But then why does he wear a mask? he's so into himself i know he's like he's like out for everything and like that that actually comes up later i remember writing in my notes is that even though he puts on the persona black mask i can't remember one of his henchmen or something in the amusement park scene says or maybe he even says it he actually says his name he's like i'm roman sionis and i'm like the reason you put on a fucking mask is so that way you can be like this (laughs) symbol this like symbol of evil and like he just immediately says his name the one time that he puts the fucking mask on on top of that he only puts his mask on this one fucking time like if he was doing this crazy ass shit with the mask on that would be terrifying you know what i mean like that black mask and he's like actually peeling people's faces off i think that that would have been even more interesting you don't even need to define him past that he's just a psychopath wearing a mask (laughs) whatever doesn't matter no no it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) going back to stupid mob bosses for a second roman says the cliche quote he or i own the protection i own this town but he (laughs) 
but but he doesn't know where Harley or he doesn't know Harley went to break out the girl until after it happened. He doesn't know Harley was friends with Canary who tipped her off. He's shocked when he was revealed that she's a fucking snitch. He never has been able to hear anything Montoya is doing, despite the fact that he says it's the cops, like he owns the cops or whatever. He doesn't know anything that Montoya is doing. He's a really, really shitty mob boss. Yeah. Like no, everything he... that he's supposed to do as a mob boss, which is own the cops. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> he doesn't do it. And he's like yeah, fucking saying the balls. That he's like offering protection or whatever. It's all lip service just to like sort of fill out his character. Fuck the writer of this movie, man. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, and then yeah. Montoya, and then there's like the cliche that they even like mention in the voiceover is that Montoya gets like fired from her job. And, you know, Harley says like, <laughs> oh, if you've ever seen any cop movie ever, you know that shit gets real once they get fired. And it's like, when she gets fired, shit doesn't get real. Montoya just sort of stumbles into the- Why does she even get fired? I don't even remember. She gets fired. That is an excellent question, Paul. <laughs> I don't know. Like, something it didn't about make any something. sense, but I was just- it's like oh yeah she's fired whatever yeah, <laughs> but you know Montoya she's seen she's seen like in her apartment and she's got like the trash can she's putting like files into her or whatever and she's got the whiskey and she's drinking whiskey and she's pouring the whiskey on it in order to light it and then she gets like the, the light bulb thing where she like has an idea and she chooses not to burn the files but all I could think of was whiskey that is enough in order to light on fire that shit has to be at least 160 proof it's kind of a waste of yeah it's a waste of whiskey honestly you could just it's sure. paper you can you can set it on fire pretty <laughs> light easily. it on fire on stone yes yeah. <laughs> excellent point paul excellent point <laughs> i guess so, uh, it was supposed to be catharsis and she was gonna give up her drinking problem and her you know, lone lone ranger type crusade against the mob and just become a normal woman. I'm gonna let you read into that because I just I, I'm not gonna go into that. It's it's too hard for me it's to remember too, scenes. No, dude. It's too deep for you to understand. I just don't get a game. So the end, I guess I, I don't really want to get to the end just yet, but the end <laughs> the ending of of this movie i'm gonna save the ending for a second because i want to talk for a second about racism in this movie not only are they like extremely racist toward italians they make them like the cookie cutter like cutouts of every italian mob boss or mob gangster ever but like there's this very real like racist shit that happens in this movie with uh the guy that owns the chinese restaurant that she lives above and she like walks in and of course he calls her lotus flower because what else could a fucking Chinese guy call a white woman the lotus flower? And then he goes into, I, I don't even remember how it came up, but she talks about like the menu items. And he said, he even refers to the fucking menu item. He's like, she's been ordering number 32 for years. And he's got like a really bad accent. But I'm like, oh, great, great. A Chinese guy <laughs> referring to the menu by the fucking menu number. And then she like makes fun of his food. And I'm like, this is racist as fuck. <laughs> like, it doesn't need to be there, dude. And I'm like, oh, I get it. And then later on when it's revealed that he like betrayed her and he sold her out and he's just like oh you know like there was a lot of people offering me money and it's enough money that i can open up a good restaurant someplace and i'm like that's his reason like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) it's so bad dude i think italians are are easy targets and uh they're safe too i mean 
you can just go along with the Italian gangster stereotype and be safe. But you know, if you bring in some other ethnicity into it, then uh, uh, you know you're you're about to uh, like <laughs> tread on dangerous water. Get get get, a, get some rage going on the internet. So I don't it's think safe to make Italian gangsters. To this movie's credit, I don't think that I saw one black guy holding a gun or one black guy huh. dealing drugs in this movie. That's, so there, there's yeah, something. Positive. An, it's like a first. <laughs> 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 there's Put something positive i guess they didn't they didn't go straight for the black angle that's good <laughs> so let's 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 jump ahead to the end of this movie because the end of this movie it immediately pisses me off because when they say that they're going to go to amusement park number one and i'm like oh why because harley is a fucking like come on yeah you're gonna go to the amusement park and then they like <laughs> they play this movie has the most obvious soundtrack and then they play that like song by like lana del rey or any number of her like vocal sisters or whatever it sounds like a lana del rey song it's like that wide where they're like booming down and you see like the ferris wheel and shit in the moon and it's obviously digital and you can tell that they were like superimposed using like a fucking like green screen stage into this like digital image it looks like shit and i'm tired of like production designers and filmmakers not making an effort like you're setting up the big fucking finale of your movie and you just resort to like shitty digital effects and like half (laughs) of the ending is just like really bad digital effects but then she gets into like her little uh upstairs whatever and i can't remember correct me if i'm wrong but she gets shot in the neck by mr zaz with the fucking dart first before montoya shows up right or is that after montoya shows up i think after i don't know (laughs) so but she's Her- fine two seconds later. Right. <laughs> I, I, I was going to get to that. But like my, my thing was with Montoya is that when Montoya shows up, Montoya pulls her gun again on Harley, even though she's been knocked out like fucking twice by Harley because she had her gun out and she took too long to shoot. And once again, Harley kicks her out of the fucking window. But before she does, Paul, she says the stupidest line in the movie, which is, you killed my sandwich. And she kicks her out of the window. And I was nice. like, oh, I think that's one of the better lines. <laughs> But she survived. I mean, the sandwich is its own character. I mean, <laughs> sandwich has more screen time than the hyena, I think. So. That's true. That's definitely true. But she survives this fall having been kicked out of a plate glass window. <laughs> But Zaz just happens to show up. So happens to be an expert, have expert aim when it comes to darts. And he shoots her in the neck, even though he's never used darts before. And they use the really bad cliche of the makeup with Zaz marking himself for each one of his little birds, his victims. And he just so happens to monologue just long enough that someone can do something to him. Even though like a crazy bad guy that's killed that many people with as that many scars, do you think he's going to take the time in order to monologue? monologue about that shit i mean fucking for instance like in gangs in new york right gangs in new york the irish guy who runs for city councilman played by brendan gleason i can't remember his name now that i'm thinking about him but he has this big mallet and each one of like his victims he carves onto the fucking handle of the mallet to remember he says it's so he can remember what he owes god when he dies yeah and but he does it after he clubs them to death right yeah not before But he doesn't tell a- them this is your notch and then yeah. try to kill them. It's only after the fact that he adds yeah, a notch. Exactly. That's my point. Is that he doesn't spend time monologuing. And Mr. Zaz, who has like hundreds of cuts on his chest, like fucking insane amounts of cuts all over his body, he spends the time in order to do this long monologue. <laughs> <sighs> And then he like he goes in and he talks about like he tells uh, Black Canary to cut the girl open so he can get the diamond out. 
And this is going to uh, something that I haven't brought up before in movies is bad filmmaking, okay? This is bad filmmaking. He's in, he's in the bathroom and they're looking directly at the mirror and whoever was part of the set dressing department didn't notice that the, the angle of the mirror is such that you can see the camera operator's entire right shoulder in the shot. And I'm like, come on, man. You know, like this is, this is a little thing. This is a little fucking filmmaking thing. Everybody on this set is professional i know that they are it's a 90 million dollar movie deliberate easter egg game they did it on purpose obviously sure yeah the, uh, the director of the movie probably standing there <laughs> but they 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 do this like fight scene where like he i can't even remember how it goes paul but he gets knocked over and harley somehow is gaining back her fucking like you know movement she pulls the fucking thing out of her neck and she starts stabbing him off to the side and it's like oh it's funny because she's fighting back oh look at her trying to do it when she's paralyzed it's not funny i mean if you were if you were 12 years old would that be funny trying to think oh, I mean, would a 12 would a 12 would a 12 year old be going to see this movie that's a better question i remember when i turned 17 <laughs> it was a big thing because like i get an r comic book ID. i had a really hard time prior to being 17 getting r-rated movie tickets like people were pretty strict in albuquerque they'd actually well, ask for your Gabe, fucking ID. no one no one buys those they just download them from the <laughs> internet so you know what that's an important <laughs> point paul i'm old yeah. and i didn't have that when i was <laughs> <three>. <laughs> God damn it. Why do you have to remind me of this? Get with the times game. <laughs> I'm sorry. Reverse everything I just said about me being an old man. But my, <laughs> my point was, is that Harley regains her full motor control like really, really fucking quickly. And I'm like, those are shitty drugs. Like if this is what Mr. Zaz has been using yeah. to like dart people, he fucking sucks. And then he goes into these long monologues and he knows that the drugs are wearing off that quickly. Like what the fuck's wrong with him? <laughs> The part in this movie that I really felt was unforgiving was the uh, the trying to make fun of the training montage moment, right? Like she says, Harley, like they, they get control of the scene. They knock Mr. Zaz out or whatever. And she opens up. She's like, oh, they're gathering outside. What if, what if these will help? And Harley opens that thing and like everything is empty in the cabinet. All the gun outlines are empty. And they're like, oh, you know, it's like yeah. it's trying to turn it on its head of the fucking like training montage or like the end montage before they go into the big battle scene. But then they embrace it anyway. And they do a full suit up montage of like fun <laughs> shit that's happening I'm like come on man like this is fucking idiotic but that's right after this that's actually that's the moment where he's wearing his or uh roman is wearing his black mask but he refers by his himself by his full name I'm like come his on full name. Man. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then, yeah. I, if anything, he's like less intimidating with the mask on. He's more of a joke with it. I don't know. It's not <laughs> scary. It doesn't uh, doesn't do much. So this movie, again, going back to the whole like female empowerment thing, they undercut it immediately after the okay. fucking montage because Harley says, "Oh, it's just like a sleepover. We should order pizza and make cosmos because girls." And it's like, yeah, yeah. Dude, like. Are you yeah. trying to make a movie about female empowerment? Or are you trying to make fun of women? Like what what exactly is the fucking point yeah. of this movie? All right. I'm gonna guess I haven't I don't really remember who wrote this, but it seems like a movie about female empowerment written by men. So <laughs> it's written by a woman, Paul. That's the worst wow. part. Is written by a woman. Oh, right. Christina That's Christina classy, Hodge, I think is her name. Christina Hodge. Then I can't say anything bad about this movie. And uh <laughs> 
It's a great movie. This end, this end sequence where they're like fighting inside of the amusement park, like Funhouse Mirror and like the tongues and all. Dude, what the fuck was going on with the tongue? <laughs> but somehow, so, <laughs> this, this reminds me of a Batman movie that yes. I actually like. That's Batman Forever, where it's just totally <laughs> off the walls. Just Val Kilmer. <laughs> yeah, Val Kilmer, Jim Carrey. And like, none of it makes any sense. It's totally surreal. But this, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't reach that <laughs> level of zaniness somehow. It just, I don't know. It, but they, but this, this fucking amusement park, even though it's supposed to be a man, abandoned, has like perfect lighting inside of this fucking place. The lights are still on. Everything's okay because of course. <laughs> and everyone, well, everyone, I mean, they, the establishing shots showed the uh, the outside was dark. So, but the inside is lit. Okay, sure, that yeah. makes even more they, sense, Paul. They, <laughs> went, they went down to the the transformer down there and. <laughs> Did a Turned little splicey splice job and just <laughs> hooked up power just before the battle. So you got to be able to see. To <laughs> and everyone of the bad guys happens to be wearing masks because it's an amusement yeah. park, and like black mask and, is only going to have ma- like and, masked henchmen. <laughs> and none of them have guns this time. Yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering. Well, or about that. Some of them. Yeah, but no, they choose to bring baseball bats. I mean, yeah, they all bring baseball. Seems like bats. it would be really easy to like bring a gun when you're trying to kill someone. <laughs> I mean, that would be the best tool for the job. For I would sure, think. yeah. Especially if you have but, to kill uh, them quickly. I mean, you fire a bunch of bullets at them, and one of them's going to hit them. You know, I don't know. So the dumb fuck moment of this movie, Paul. The dumb fuck moment of this movie, the first one anyway, for me is the whole goddamn ending of it. The amusement park scene, the scene on the pier. It's just the chase scene yeah. with the fucking car and the rollerblades like it's just i completely lost interest and i don't even remember what i was doing it was just i think i started looking at my phone because i got so bored with it (laughs) then i look up and she's in the the shadows or something like oh yeah there's i feel the tension for sure now i'm gonna go back to (laughs) looking at my bitcoin and shit <laughs> but Montoya, being the stupid cop that she is, again, she's like, she comes out into that main, like, somehow this atrium has like six fucking attractions in one atrium, which I didn't understand. <laughs> I was like, this isn't how a funhouse works. But besides the fact, is that like, she looks up, she looks up, Paul, like 10 feet above her head, and she sees the mirrors and she sees the reflection of the, bi- the bad guys in the mirrors, but she still shoots at the mirror. <laughs> it's 10 feet above uh. her. I'm like, what is she, 12? And she can't tell what person. I mean, she, she missed so many shots. <laughs> she missed so many shots that she decided she was going to shoot first this time. And lo and behold, she fucked it up again. <laughs> she is terrible, dude. There's nothing in this movie that makes me want to like her. But she's got like this whole end sequence. There's like trampolines and seesaws and those weird fucking like tongue things that like Huntress is jumping on. What? I mean, what even is that fucking attraction, dude? Like every one of these things, like the, the spinning cup thing and like the hall of mirrors and all that kind of shit. Like I get that, but what is the fucking tongue thing? Like they action notes that piece of game. You know, they didn't have enough. The whole ending sequence was like uh, 10 minutes long. 
long and they're like, shit, we need more stuff to throw in here. <laughs> to make some, uh, some tongues. Yeah. One of the things in the ending of this movie that really pissed me off was the hapless kid being defended and just narrowly missing every attack because it's funny cliche. Like stumbling around and Huntress taking her down and then like Black Canary taking her down and like hitting a guy over her or whatever. And it just so happens that all these bad guys are coordinated and they're only attacking one at a time. There's like 50 of them, Paul. They, they even make yeah. reference action movie cliche right there it's bad (laughs) (laughs) they even mention it the the other characters mention it but like harley somehow has enough time in order to step away and like strap herself into skates and everybody's like when did she have time to put skates on and they laugh about it and they just move on and i'm like what is happening like what is this movie what am i watching didn't you see how she brought her skates with her in her like satchel bag or whatever (laughs) <laughs> no, oh, you missed it. Okay, yeah. No, obviously, again, going back to the fight sequences, Paul. Like you can see that these hitmen or these uh, these stuntmen are like pulling their punches because they're like winding up way too much in yeah. order to like miss the shot. You know what I mean? And it just so happens that one of them like misses, and then Huntress tells that girl to duck, and so they duck, and then Harley like swings the fucking thing and hits that guy with the mallet again. <laughs> why do you why do you fucking edit movies this way, man? Like when I see it and it looks bad to me maybe you and i are just of a different breed that we're going to notice shit like this but i feel like we're not that smart or we're not like that like if i'm noticing it somebody in fucking minnesota has got to be seeing it you know what I mean? no it's a it's a comic book movie you're just gonna have to let it all go enjoy the ride gabe just sit back and so <laughs> There's a missed there's a missed opportunity here, Paul. And it's the ending of this movie where Black Canary, they run out of fucking bullets and Black Canary like uses her voice, which I'm glad that she waited until now in order to fucking whip that out. But she uses her voice and somehow blows so hard that like <laughs> fucking harley can like ride out on her sound waves but harley isn't like a superpower villain like she's crazy and like maybe something's off with her genetically because of the fucking like chemicals or whatever but she screams and like all these bad guys like shoot off into the distance but harley isn't damaged by this and like her hearing her her eardrums didn't implode or whatever missed the missed opportunity that i have here paul if you're showing these bad guys getting shot out into whatever like away from the cars away from the entrance to the fucking amusement park this sound wave is so violent that we saw a glass break earlier and we see these 200 pound men being launched by it why why if this is an r-rated movie why did they miss the opportunity of having these guys explode uh, like some, fucking blood sausages exploding heads yeah, yeah that would have been pretty great it goes but against no, we, the whole theme of nonviolence in this movie and nonviolent protest. <laughs> <laughs> so Huntress Huntress is smart enough to ride a motorcycle, but have a wakeboard handle on the back just in case Harley needed to like hold on to the wakeboard handle while she was fucking <laughs> using her skates. But besides the fact, have if anybody out there has ever tried to ride behind a vehicle with a skateboard or skates or rollerblades or whatever, you know it's dangerous because asphalt has loose pebbles on it if you've ever gotten a loose pebble stuck under a skateboard wheel or a fucking like rollerblade wheel, you fly off that shit. And like Harley is going to skin her face like a fucking white trash (laughs) woman from Arizona. She'll be just fine because she's out of control and she can handle herself, man. I mean, that's why they had all those roller derby sequences to show her that, you know, 
she can't be knocked down. She's, that one those are, those are like her, her superpowers right there. We should put those skates on. These henchmen have guns <laughs> in the car, but they don't shoot at the slow-moving Harley and Huntress behind <laughs> them. This happens to be the longest back alley in fucking film history. <laughs> They're behind a hundred parking garages for some reason. And it just happens to be this like 14 mile long road that they're driving down. <laughs> but besides the fact, they, they tell, they say, shoot at her, shoot at her, blah, blah, blah. Or Roman says, shoot at her. But the girl on skates moving super slow by the side of the car, the henchman can't seem to hit. So move past that for a second. This movie doesn't understand what relative motion or physics is because like Harley is crouched down in front of the car. She's doing her back to the future thing. And then she leaps up, letting go of the bumper of the car. And she leaps up having done a black backflip and lands <laughs> on the top of the car. But like relative motion amazing. tells me that her vector of motion is that she's shooting straight up and the car's vector of motion is straight forward. So how did the car not hit her when she was flying through midair? She was going at the same speed at the, as the car gave. So she jumped up relative to the car and also backwards. There you go. But perfectly her, executed her <laughs> car backflip on roller skates whatever okay maybe i'm thinking too deeply onto this but she's on the roof but super sloop driver can't hit the brakes and just throw harley off <laughs> no you can never hit the brakes in the chase scene gabe that you can't slow down You're like why are we chasing each other again why not just like stop and like take careful aim and just shoot you in the forehead like no can't do they that, don't have Gabe. guns paul well but they the dude stop. was like shooting at her the whole time she's in front no, of no, the no. car i'm saying i'm saying huntress and harley don't no. have guns why not just stop and shoot at them you know what i mean why not stop when harley's mm. on the top throw her off and then shoot at her as she's stumbling on the ground <laughs> trying to get up you know what i mean you could have yeah. put like 10, ra- 10 rounds down range at her rolling body and hit that shit. You know what I mean? That would have been pretty easy. But then they stumble onto the foggy pier. So now there's the foggy pier trope that we have to deal with. <laughs> and it just so happens that there's decaying boards on the foggy pier. That's also a trope that's here. But he's directly ahead on the pier, right, Paul? A pier is straight. It goes straight toward the water. There's only one way on and one way off. But she's walking towards him on the pier but as he's taunting her we hear his voice coming from different directions i don't know how he's throwing his voice uh, behind her but somehow maybe, now he's a fucking ventriloquist <laughs> now he's a fucking ven- black mask now he's a ventriloquist and he can throw his voice but the writers don't know how sound works apparently he says that you need you need me harley i provide the protection blah 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 blah. but he's also an idiot of a bad guy who's never helped or protected her but somehow she needs him because why so she can protect herself against him who's already out there trying to take this like young girl as a fucking hostage that's like what he's been reduced to with his hundreds of henchmen that he just had like somehow harley wastes her one bullet on a stationary object one bullet paul she has and she shoots it at a stationary object and she says i'm harley fucking quinn and it's like yeah great she shoots it and it's not him but this fucking effigy that she shoots is a foot taller than 
Roman. Like it's very <laughs> obvious that it's not a real human being, but somehow she shoots at that because reasons and because she's stupid. And then they, they just so happen to do like at the end, you know, like she says like, oh, I, I'm sorry, Harley, I did steal from something you're from you. And she's like, what? And she pulls out the grenade ring and she's like, I stole your ring. And why did I haven't Roman- seen that one before. <laughs> how's the best Roman- grenade stealing like ring stealing like moment in movie history? oh I'll, I'll tell you right now dude i'll tell you right now because yeah. i just rewatched it x2 x-men united magneto <laughs> yeah. magneto rips like 50 grenade pins off of every hand or every henchman down the alleyway oh, and blows them all up he just like sucks all of them towards him and <laughs> all these guys blowing up and then he drops like 50 rings to the ground it's pretty dope dude yeah that's uh, still the best that one well, but that's pretty good yeah <laughs> i think that was the best one of the grenade stealing yeah. or stealing the pin of a grenade but yeah. she says she says oh you know like i i stole your fucking ring blah 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 but how is it that a really scary bad guy doesn't just gut the girl that he's holding like he doesn't need the girl he's gonna face off against harley quinn harley quinn doesn't have a gun Wait, why does he, he even have grenades? I don't understand. That's a good question, Paul. He has this like, one grenade. It just happens to be on him. But Harley has a gun. She uses her last fucking bullet. He could just slit this girl's throat and then stab the shit out of fucking Harlequin. So that way he has a stationary place where the diamond is sitting, which is still in the girl. And then he could just stab the fuck out of Harley, which doesn't have, she doesn't have a gun anymore. And she doesn't have her backup from everybody. And then he could take his time cutting the fucking guts out of the girl in order to get the fucking diamond. But no. He has to stand behind her with a fucking knife and pretend to be menacing. This is just, it's its overly dramatic and so fucking stupid, dude. How much more dramatic can they make this? And then, I'm sorry. I just, I have to keep the final showdown first. scene, man. <laughs> And a roll, Gabe. Keep, you're on a roll. I, I have to keep ranting because they cut to after the showdown scene. They go to the Mexican food spot. And when they're in the Mexican food spot, they just have to make the Mexican food makes you shit cliche joke because, oh, let's be offensive to Mexican food now on top of everything else we've been offensive to. So murder, mayhem, etc. Yeah, I don't really have problems with that. I don't understand where that cliche comes from. I don't really know. <laughs> Wait, the only time I've ever shot my pants eating mexican food is when i ate taco bell and taco bell isn't mexican food that's some weird shit i don't know Uh. what's going on there so murder mayhem etc and montoya has shown us time and again that she doesn't give a shit she's gonna try to be by the book even though like nobody wants to like you know support her but she just somehow looks the other way on all this shit because all these people help save her life. And Montoya is sitting there with them, like chopping it up. No big deal. Even though Harley is like a terrorist because she blew up the fucking chemical plant. <laughs> Among other many, many Among, other things. Yeah. <laughs> but let's no, make she's fun of with that now. She's let's make fun of, of the horrific shit that Harley Quinn has done. <laughs> Let's make fun of Mexican food and let's make fun of Montoya's speech that she speaks like a cop in an 80s movie, but not acknowledge why she is such a quote unquote badass woman. Like she's fucking useless. This whole goddamn movie that she doesn't do one thing. All she does is fuck up and have dumb luck throughout the movie. But then they're going to have, they're going to launch into this giant monologue of Harlequin, like talking about how she pawns a $10 million rock for 20 grand. She gets into the fucking thing with two stacks of cash dude two stacks twenty thousand bucks 
but she could have fucking sold that rock to even like a shitty gem collector for at least a couple million. You know what I mean? But she ditches this rock for 20 grand because she's stupid again. But Bruce is somehow okay because kiss, kiss, bang, yeah, bang, yeah, bring everybody back. Stupid. She just is way above material possessions. But she says she needs the money. She says that she oh. needs to start a new life. Yeah, whoops. All right, she fucked up. It's pretty stupid. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this is this is something else. I don't know how long has passed from the previous fight scene to or the previous uh, scene where she shits the rock out to the pawn shop scene. But somehow her little protege knows Sal and knows how good his sandwiches are because she surprises Harley with their fucking favorite sandwich from this fucking guy. Like, how, when did she ever meet that- Sal? How much Everyone time knows is passed? Sal is man. He has the Apparently. best uh, best sandwich in town. That's it. But you know what's more <laughs> offensive than all this, Paul? Is that she bites it? She finally bites into her sandwich at the end, which is what we've been waiting for the whole fucking movie. She gets to enjoy her sandwich. She bites into her sandwich. And it's clearly not on the same bread that Sal supposedly puts his sandwiches on. <laughs> it's completely different fucking bread. <laughs> okay. Just calm down. He mixed it up a little bit. All right. <laughs> decided to go with the wheat instead this time Uh, i'm just really really angry fucking off the rails really really angry about this fucking movie off the rails man calm down (laughs) but then even more egregious you if you sit through the credits at the end of the movie at the very end of the credits they have a ferris bueller's like ending but it's not a scene it's just her voiceover she comes on and she's like you dumb fucks are still sitting in the theater get out of here it's over and i'm like yeah i like that when ferris bueller did it and i liked it when deadpool did it but i fucking hate you're doing it like it's not funny it's not clever why am i still watching this movie but I sat through the credits in order to hear that, Paul, because I knew that something was after the credits. Oh, I was too busy sitting on the couch to turn off turn <laughs> off the, the movie, so I ended up hearing it too. DC so, doesn't do the after credits thing, right? It's only Marvel. It's kind of not, their trademark. Not that know? I remember. Uh, no, uh, I think that this might be the first, actually. It's sort of kind of established themselves as the anti-Marvel somehow but they but they continue to like try to fucking hack marvel's formula apart and shit all over everything and like, <laughs> yeah. rush, yeah. rush movies yeah. out i i hate this movie paul but everybody that is the ending of fucking birds of prey <laughs> It's 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 very very rare that I come across a comic book movie that I focus in on and I absolutely hate. Like there's probably and what's funny is that every movie that I've hated thus far that's a comic book movie is a DC movie. Like it's the the Joel Schumacher Batman's. I fucking hated all the ones of George Clooney. <laughs> Hated those. Didn't like the Joker. Didn't like Batman versus Superman. Didn't like uh, Superman Returns. Didn't like, uh, what was that? Uh, Man of Steel. Didn't like Justice League. Didn't like this movie. You know, DC is just, it's on such a quick downward trajectory of like shit movies and like picking shit directors to do things that I just, I don't know how long their formula is going to last. You know what I mean? Because like Marvel, well, they need a new formula. It's not really working. I don't feel like it's just. <laughs> I mean, they're trying they're... to copy the Marvel thing and go with the Justice League, yada yada yada. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, as as much as as much as Kevin, as much as Kevin Fag or however you say his last name, the the chairman slash producer of Marvel Entertainment, as much as I want to believe that he's just a company man, like he's steadily picked up the pace when it comes to directors, writing, and like movie stakes, right? In all of his Marvel movies. It's really interesting because like Kevin, as much as I don't like a lot of the Marvel movies, he picks interesting directors, interesting stars, interesting writers in order to do shit. But like DC just kind of like sends it out to whoever's available. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the day that Joel Schumacher comes back and does another DC movie. Wait, did Joel Joel Schumacher do uh, Batman Forever? I think Mm. he did. The style is really similar. Yeah, that's that's him. Because uh, yeah. Tim Burton, his last movie was uh, Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Batman Forever was Joel Schumacher, and so was uh, uh, Batman and Robin. And <laughs> oh fuck, what was, was the other one? No, there wasn't another one. No, there was another Just one. The four, there's the four before Batman Begins. And that's it. I thought there was another one. No, man. Mi- no. Mr. Freeze is in Mr. Freeze is in Batman and Robin, right? Yeah. Yeah, mis- okay. th- that movie had like 12 villains, as far as I can remember. <laughs> that was terrible. But- That's as bad as it gets, Paul. Like that movie, <laughs> that is as bad as it gets. And I don't know why that movie still has some sort of following. Like people are still watching it, still buying it. And maybe it's like certain people like their comic book movies to have like yeah. a lot of camp. Sometimes and, like- it's fun to pull up a chair and watch a train wreck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> This movie, this movie though, as bad as it is, like this movie is not fun to watch. Like there's a lot about this movie that's just like boring and like retread yeah. and like, it's just, there's nothing. I want to like it. I really do. I wanted to, when I heard that they were going to do it and it was going to be R rated and Margot Robbie was going to lead and they're going to have an all female cast and shit. I was actually excited. Cause I was like, this could be fun. This could, you know, really poke fun at every gender stereotype of superhero movies that have ever existed, but they just don't, they don't even go for that they could have easily made fun of shit they could have made fun of bruce wayne they could have made fun of anybody but you know again back to the beckdale test she even names her fucking dog after a man she names him bruce (laughs) after quote that hunky batman guy i was like god damn it like this is this movie fails on every single level of like empowering women or whatever the fuck this was supposed to do (laughs) Let's let's talk about what we're gonna do next week, Paul. You you and I had previously talked about doing M Night Shyamalan. I I am honestly really leaning toward doing The Happening just because it's so fucking bad, and I can dog on Marky Mark for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to talk about Marky Mark for a while now because Marky Mark is so strange in that he can do like these really great roles in critically acclaimed movies, and then he has like six movies back to back where he's just fucking terrible. Can't win them all. No, I, can't win he's a all. he's a lazy actor, dude. I'm tired of the Marky Mark confused face where he puts his eyebrows up and he's like, <laughs> I got that weird look on his. I'm fucking sick of that. If I have to see him do that again, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> But it would be interesting mm. to talk about, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's like fall from grace, as it were, because I don't, 
I mean, I, I don't, he doesn't really come up anymore, honestly, as much as he used to. Everybody used to talk to, about him, about like how cool he was because of the sixth sense and whatnot and Unbreakable, but nobody talks about him anymore. And on top of that, like yeah. he's just not interesting. Like every movie that he's done after that is just whatever, you know, especially Glass. That movie's fucking terrible. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we can do The Happening. I think The Happening would be interesting. Maybe uh, toss a little bit of Village in there. But, like you know, that, talk, know, talking about DC movies, I'm really thinking about about those old batman movies again <laughs> think about talking about uh i would go to bat for uh batman forever you know I'd go bat despite <laughs> despite it being a bad movie and i would go to bat i'll, for it, I'll so. say that honestly dude like batman forever in terms of like the post tim burton batman movies i actually kind of like that one but a lot of it has to do with the fact that like i've liked val kilmer for a very long time and i've hoped that his career would come back and he'd do something interesting again but like now he just kind of looks like a fucking gremlin and i don't think that he's ever gonna get like <laughs> facetime again <laughs> But he was, you know, Val Kilmer, he was in like some pretty critically acclaimed movies even after in his post-Gremlin phase. He was in this great movie called Felon with him and Steven Dorff that they shot in New Mexico. And I didn't think that it was going to be good. I was like, oh, great. Val Kilmer and Steven Dorff. Yeah, great fucking cast, bro. <laughs> Wait, is Steven Dorff uh, the guy from Game of Thrones? Is that no, 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 no. Steven, Steven Dorff is the guy that was the first, like, uh, shit. I guess the, <laughs> the close the movie, <laughs> the movie that I can say that he was in that you might actually remember him is that he was in Blade. He was the main guy other than Blade. He was the white guy. Yeah, see, you forgot him because he's a, not a memorable boy. Oh, uh, wait. He's like pretty old now. Yeah, he's right? old. Yeah, 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 he's older now. Oh, right, but right, I mean, right, he was in right, he right. was in a bunch of movies. He was in The Highwaymen with uh, with yeah. Kevin Costner recently. Yeah. But he's All just, right. he's a bad actor. He really is. And he's picked a lot of bad movies over the years. <laughs> That's something that maybe people should see is Felon. It's part of this weird string of movies where they were trying to go back to like Grindhouse movies like that. And uh, there's this movie called Brawl in Cell Block 99 with <laughs> Vincent Vaughn. Yeah. Have you seen uh, that? It's classic. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. I dug that movie, man. <laughs> yeah, it was entertaining for sure. It was incredibly violent. So I got my, yeah. kicks. I got my kicks. I did too. Anyway, so maybe we can do uh maybe we can do the happening next week or or do you want to go it's coming to a town near you <laughs> or do you want to talk about the village and do a deep dive on that movie yeah uh, we can do the happening it's fine <laughs> both kind of part of the same trend yeah for sure all right well thank you guys for joining us once again that was birds of prey once again if you guys have any suggestions on movies that you'd like to hear us tear apart and make fun of no matter how good they are we will try our best in order to make fun of it <laughs> Do not pick No Country for Old Men or there will be blood. It will get an immediate ban from whatever you're posting on. I will ban you or report your comment. <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> so don't pick either one of those movies. But you can go after Transformers, Transformers 3, which is Paul's perfect movie, apparently. <laughs> but comment, like, subscribe, all that shit. Let us know what you guys are thinking. Let us know what you uh, have seen recently that you thought sucked. And once again, thank you for being around. Thank you for being our audience. Once again, this is Movie Dicks. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Shendel. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you guys.